Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 71st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Anthony back with you guys today. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh Uh-oh. The last two episodes that you heard was me interviewing Isaac Shade, and there was still frustrations coming out in that interview. Then you had the Notre Dame recap, (laughs) which was a lot of frustrations. And now you got today's podcast where we're going to uh, have those two discussion topics I teased at the end of the end of the Notre Dame game. We're going to update you on Carolina's bracketology as we're at that time of the year where we got to start taking a look at that. We're going to get into the Virginia game, but all three of these episodes have been recorded on one day. And three different three different podcasts. With, way, to, way to let them in on the secret, yeah, man. With, with three different uh, mm. tones. You know, like the team on the court, this is why people come to the Four Corners podcast because they never know what what version of me is the host they're going to get. They know usually what they're going to get out of you, but I, you know why? You know why? Because unlike you, I'm consistent. You're like this basketball team. We have no t- we have no clue which uh, which podcast host is going to show up every but time we turn on this mic. I'm good in, a, in an inconsistent way because people keep want to come back to hear what the basketball aficionado, the has inconsistent to, basketball aficionado, has to say. So, but before we do any of the bracketology, looking at UVA, just talking about the team, we start as we always do with with a preview edition with the pod thought of the day, and I've been saving this one. This one is one that I've been waiting to say for the right moment when I've been frustrated enough. And, it, you know, it could have come after Tennessee. It could have came after the, the loss to Kentucky. But it, it, it comes after the heels of losing to Notre Dame. We go to Dean Smith. This is a women's soccer school. We're just trying to keep up with them. So no matter what, 
even though we've won seven national championships, been to 20 Final Fours, we've produced the greatest player in the history of the ACC in Tyler Hansborough, the greatest history in the game of the sport in Michael Jordan, two of the three best coaches in the history of college basketball. We're still just a soccer school, a women's soccer school. Seven national titles is only a third of the national titles that that the women's soccer team has. So I feel like that was a great way to lighten the mood. It's the pod thought of the day saved me from taking a jab at you. Oh, great. From taking a jab at myself. Wow. Taking a jab at the team. Um, And I've, I've got another one. Uh-oh. That I've got in my back pocket. If I got to use it this year, I'm hoping. Oh, not. I thought you meant you were going to go with you. You were going to go with a, a twofer. Oh here no. on the quote of the day. I thought no. we needed the inspiration double time. No. Okay. Um, but so the first thing I want to get to is those discussion topics that I kind of teased at the end of the Notre Dame podcast the last time we recorded, and they kind of go hand in hand. Which Did you just say hand in ham. No, hand in hand. Okay, because I'm hungry and I could I could eat I could eat a ham sandwich. So right could now. I. And you know, look, we entered the season. We both predicted Carolina to win the ACC. Um, I officially predicted them to make the Final Four. You think they had the capabilities of making the Final Four? And it's safe to say at at ten and four that that looks very bleak right now. I, see, so maybe we should do this. Do you want to stick with that prediction right now? Because I'm not. Uh, I, I can't. No, I'm not. I can't be there with this team right now. And you know, Isaac Shade told us, you know, guys, look, this at 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 the most, this is a Sweet 16 team. But even making the second round at this point, you would deem, you would deem a successful first year of the Hubert Davis era transition, whatever we're going to officially label this thing as. I agree with them. At ten and four. Two and one in the ACC. They haven't been ranked in the AP poll since they lost back-to-back games in Uncasville, Connecticut, the week before Thanksgiving. Has Carolina underachieved in the first fourteen games of the season? I mean, I don't know because I, honestly, if you said these to me before the season started, I would kind of be like, "Yeah, that's about. That's probably about where we saw them." Would it be different at the, if the three of the four losses, okay, or yeah, if, if the three of the four losses where we felt really bad about coming out of the, the, the Tennessee, the Kentucky loss, and the Notre Dame loss didn't happen the way they happened, and they were all four losses like the loss were to Purdue where you competed for 40 minutes, you just got beat by a better team that was better that day? I mean, maybe if you lost one of them that way. I mean, I... The the blowout losses, I mean, clearly they they concern you on the surface, but I mean, from the long term aspect of the season, I I don't, I mean, I don't look at that loss to Kentucky and say, well, that's rem- that that that's representative of what this team is for the entire year. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't see that's that's a Kentucky team that, I mean, at times has looked really really good. There have been other times where they have really really struggled. So yep. I mean, they're ranked. Inside of the top 25. Now, they're coming off a loss the other night, albeit to a very good LSU team. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's one. I think the way that it happened in that game where you were blown out and the fact that the guy that you thought coming in was going to be your biggest issue trying to slow down wasn't even the guy that really killed you, I think that's more of the concern. 
Tennessee, that's not really that bad of a loss anymore. I mean, it's not great. It's how you lost. Again, it's 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 how you lost. And even in that one, I mean, you lost by 17. The game felt relatively out of reach for the most part. But, and, and then, you know, with, no, with Notre Dame, I mean, you didn't get blown out in that game. That's one where even even in some of Carolina's most successful seasons, you could see that popping up from time to time. And you know, with the guys that were out of the lineup, you probably say, "All right, chalk that one up." So I I I wouldn't say they've underachieved. I think the problem is is that we've the the way that they've played at times this year, we want to advance our expectations off of two or three successful games in a row. And I mean, you know, it's going to happen. We all do it. We're, you know, we're, we're fans of the team. We're people who follow the team. So, yeah, you you start seeing some trends over three or four games that get you excited and they make you start thinking, hey, this team's turning the corner. And then there's losses that kind of put you back into – Reality that hey, look, this is this is still year one of a new coach. This is still a team that right now probably remains one of the most inconsistent in all of college basketball. Mm. So, I wouldn't say they've underachieved. I think our expectations have fluctuated probably a little bit too much throughout the season. Now that we're doing a little self-reflecting, but yeah, I mean, I because. I mean, we're we're looking at where they're at right now. I mean, they're probably what seven or eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. I mean, we're probably like, I mean, what coming into the season, realistically, six six to eight seed was probably about the range. You you, you thought, okay, I'd probably be okay with that. So well, I wouldn't I'd, say they've underachieved. I had them being a one seed and making the Final Four and winning an ACC. I mean, you did season title, but I'm saying if some if somebody told you. That was a that 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 they were somewhere between the six and the eight line. Would you have been stunned? Stunned? No. Disappointed? Yes. Frustrated? Yes. Because I think I think the biggest the biggest problem that I know I'm having, I hope you're having, and many Tariel fans are having, is that nothing feels different from last year. This still feels like a team that's got the talent you've got the pieces to be a top tier echelon team in the country to be what you're supposed to be and you're not and maybe that is the fact that you're going through a coaching change and you hired a first-time head coach who brought in a relatively new staff but it, it, it was like, and look, every coach wins a press conference. There haven't been many coaches who, when they've gotten hired, they lost a press conference that day. I mean, if you do, you're in for a long haul as a head coach. And we knew with Hubert Davis's background at ESPN, it was only going to make it easy for him to win the press conference. But it just felt like from that moment where we left that thinking, okay, not my first choice. But we got the guy. We got our guy. And then you heard him over the summer and then leading up to the season. And it's it's not like I'm not gonna say that they're they're failed promises, but we haven't we haven't gotten we haven't gotten where I think we thought we were gonna get to this year under him. And so I, I, I would say from the manner of because of the way that they've lost three of the four games, 
where it's been the same issues that's, that plagued the program last year and the year before that, and we don't seem to have an answer or a fix to the problem, I would say they've underachieved. But I still think, and you might disagree, and this isn't more to you know throw the pom-poms in favor of Carolina. It's just more of a state of where the ACC is. I still think they're the second best team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I don't know how much weight that carries. And years past, being not the, a lot, being the number two team in the ACC, you're going to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament. You're still going to be thought of as a legitimate threat to make the Final Four and win the national championship. There's a gap from Duke to Carolina which I think if we're being honest, it's a lot larger than we want to admit today. But that's been the case the last couple of years. And Carolina still not only competed with Duke, they've beaten Duke. So that's not the bigger issue. It's just more of what does Carolina got to do to, to, to secure themselves as being the second best team, the top three team in the ACC, which that's the standard. Like I always talk about winning the ACC is the standard, but it's really finishing top three. Because when you do that 27 straight years like Dean Smith did, that becomes the expectation. We haven't done that since we last won the conference title in 2019. And as I talked about before the Notre Dame game, the best way to secure that positioning is to win the games on the road that you you know that you're expected to win, that you're capable of winning, and it's not a surprise that you won. Because if you go to Cameron and win, the majority of the college basketball landscape, especially given this year what's going to go into that game, they're going to be surprised. But it's it's the Boston Colleges that you got to win at, the Georgia Techs, the Notre Dames that, okay, if you win that game, it's easier to stack up those wins because you're a really good home team. You're 7-0 and at home, but you've got to do it on the road as well. But look, and look, I know Wake Forest, Alondis Williams and Steve Forbes, he's doing a great job. But it's a it's a... It's a roster with a bunch of transfers that they've meshed well. They've meshed well so far, but they haven't hit the girth of their ACC schedule yet. I like how you went rushing there. By the way, that's not the team I'm concerned about. Miami is that's looking the second best because Jim right Laranega now. is the most underrated coach, and I've said this on this podcast before. He's not the most underrated coach in the ACC. He might be the most underrated coach in college basketball because Miami has no freaking business being competitive. They don't give they don't give a rat's patoot about uh, about basketball. And you it's lose just that you lose your you know? best player or your second best player, depending on what you thought about. Uh, likes from from year ago. He's at Arkansas. You've got Wong back, and look, Wong's a baller. That guy can put the ball in the basket. But I still think, and we'll find out because Carolina hopefully will play Miami. God willing, COVID doesn't get that game canceled down the line. I still think Carolina's the better team than Miami, but I just don't know what that means. We're gonna find out how good Miami is this weekend. Yeah, they gotta go to Duke. So we'll see. You know, is that a team that looks up to? Here, here's here's the deal. Do I think there's a case for Carolina to be the second best team in the in in the conference right now? Yes, I would probably lean Miami because the team's won eight in a row. Mm-hmm. So that's a legitimate argument. Yeah, and but but I will say this: 
And you could say whatever. It may feel like it was just the other day because it was just the other day on the podcast that I said that I felt Carolina was probably closer to Duke than the rest of the ACC. Yeah, that's wrong. Oh, yeah. 100% wrong on that one. It is Duke and then a monumental gap to the rest of the conference. And which, I, I, which think, I don't think is surprising. Not really. I mean, he brought but Duke brought in another loaded recruiting class. They added a Theo John as a transfer. Window Moore's taking that next step. They've got the right blend of youth and experience. You factor in the retirement tour and all that crap for Coach K, this team's going to be motivated. And well, they've yeah. also beaten really good teams. Well, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I don't think it's shocking that they're in a tier by themselves. I think the shocking part is that we thought coming into the season, we were there. as did most people, that the not we weren't on that tier. We were in that second tier. You were with Florida State, who you knew was going to take a little bit of a step back because all they lost. But you know, isn't the second tier the best tier? Because you know, you ever had a wedding cake and you had that second what, tier. What are you doing? What it's, are you it's, doing? It's what always are you doing better right now. Well, the top tier—that's the best where the bride and groom get their slice from, bro. So that's got to be the best. That's I've the always best felt like I'm a wedding cake guy. I like the second tier. Jeez. All right. Yeah, I guess. And I, I, and, I mean, look, what an it, odd comparison, by the you way. You know, when it comes to the dating sites, a lot of people go Tinder and Bumble. I go Facebook dating. I've had more success with the second tier dating sites. Is that really a second tier dating site, though? How many people actively use Facebook dating? I don't know. I don't know if Facebook dating's a second tier one. Is that a third tier? That might be. Third Are you or degrading fourth. me? No, I think it's second tier because it's right there on the app. It's right there look, on your home I'm screen. Not, look, I'm not saying that the ladies are bad. I'm just saying that you know that's and right now, I mean, I still think Carolina's in the second tier. To turn this back on to stuff that's not going to get us fined on this podcast or potentially thrown into a completely different category of podcast. Um. I mean, I still think they're in the second tier. The problem is, is that this is, you know, a tier that usually in most seasons in the ACC, it's probably your third, maybe even your fourth tier in Mm -hmm. the ACC because I'm going to be honest with you, it's a crapshoot. We have no idea. I blame, Who is honestly going to come out Jim of this Phillips. group? It's all his fault. I mean, I don't. They're they're because I mean, there there are some teams in this group right now where Carolina's at where you feel good about what you've seen from them so far. Wake Forest, Miami, but do they have the staying power? There's other teams where, frankly, you have no clue who they are. I could not tell you at all what Louisville is. Louisville lost to a Western Kentucky team that is. No, they're they're actually not. They're, or they're like eight. They're like eight and six overall. That doesn't mean they're. They uh, I saw they lost a conference game the other night to. I mean, this is that's not a dominant team. That's not a team that you look at Louisville and say if that's the second best team in the ACC, which they're still in that conversation according to the standings, they should be losing. To. Well, the biggest problem with the ACC is Carolina might be the second best team, but they don't. You, what what we were counting as a marquee win was Michigan. Michigan seven and six and just got blown out by Rutgers. Then you got Georgia Tech. Outside of Duke. No, no one in the conference has signature wins. And here's the other here. Here's the problem, as maybe we transition into talking about 
where Carolina's at in terms of the tournament rankings. Where are the signature wins on this well, resume? And, it's, it's it's Duke, and that's probably it, unless and, Miami keeps playing the way they're playing. And, and, that, and that's another thing that Isaac Shade brought up in our conversation the other day was Carolina right now, and we'll, we'll let's go to the bracketology because, look, it's January 6th. We're just a little over two months away from Selection Sunday, Dude, believe it or not. The bunker, the bunker has already been fired up. There is one coming out. The day after we are recording this, 6018 field being put up by Joe Lenardi. It's coming, baby. And it we'll, is that time. We're going to do our best to update you guys on at least a biweekly uh, such a, you know, scenario of where Carolina checks in. I pulled three. Three uh, publications, bracketologies. We'll start with there Joe. There are that many already that have bra- – oh we'll, we'll, we'll start with Joe Lenardi because he's the GOAT. Um, and this came out January 4th, so two days ago. Mm. Carolina comes in before – so this is pre-Notre Dame defeat as a number eight seed in the Midwest. Minnesota's their 8-9. Their one seed, Kansas. We'll move on to CBS Sports. Of course. This is January 3rd. Carolina comes in seven seed mm. in the South region. Their matchup would have, would be with Oklahoma. Porter Mosier doing a fantastic job his first year in Norman. He's got the transfers from Eastern Washington in this program, the Groves, the Groves Twins. I got a good chance to watch them the other night against Baylor. He's going to do some nice things there. Um, the two seed that Carolina would be matched up with would be Gonzaga, and that one seed would be Baylor. And then we go to Bleacher Report. Sorry. Theirs is outdated. My apology. Oh, Siri Sorry. doesn't. Siri, Siri doesn't like that the conversation. Bleacher Reports. They go back to December twenty first, so you could probably expect Ooh. one probably the end of this week or the first of next week. But Carolina actually at that time nine seed in the Midwest. West Virginia was their eight seed. And Purdue at the time was their one seed. So Carolina's back where they were a year ago, where they're solidly in the field in terms of they're not on the bubble bubble, but their seeding as of today isn't desirable. They're going to be looking at a matchup where getting out of the first round would be deemed a success. And the problem is is that the ACC schedule right now doesn't lend for them to add marquee wins. Their game against Virginia, even though Virginia's 9 and 5, 3 and 1 in the ACC is a quad 2 game, not even a quad 1 win. Carolina 9 and 0 in quad three and four games. So they don't have a quote-unquote bad loss, but they're just one and four in quad one, quad two games. And it looks like outside of Duke, because you got to have teams inside the top 75 to get the quad, the, you know, that's where quad two cuts off at. Outside of the games against Duke, unless Virginia gets hot or Miami stays hot, or Louisville or one of those teams turn it around, there's not many quad one wins on Carolina's schedule to go the rest of the way. Oh, no. So they've got to make up as much ground as they can in that quad two region without suffering the bad losses. And that's what killed the team last year was they did okay – in the quads one and two, they got some some, some signature wins, mm-hmm. but they had those head scratching losses that put them at the eight seed. 
and we saw what happened in the NCAA tournament. So it's going to be interesting because as the bubble has evolved in the last 10 to 15 years, this bracket's going to be wide open. It's going to be ever-evolving. It's going to change from game to game, from day to day, from week to week. What the NCAA, what the NCAA committee is going to put out in a couple of weeks when they release the top 16 is going to look completely different from what it looks like today. And, of course, when you get to Selection Sunday, it's going to be – even crazier what it's going to look like as college basketball right now. It is it is parody at its finest. It, it, it has what every sport desires to have, and that's what makes it the most fun, most unpredictable sport in the world. But Hubert Davis and his staff, they scheduled a schedule in the non-conference season to bulk up their resume. They didn't get the wins. They can't help that the ACC is having a down year. That just means there's more pressure on them to take care of business in the games where they where they have to, and then at least get one or you know at least split with Duke to get one of those marquee victories. Well, the other thing that really hurts, just real quick, the fact that Michigan, which looked like a sure quad one win when you started the season, if you won that game, no doubt you were going to say that's quad one. Yep. Now it's no longer a quad one because that's a team that as of today. And I believe that even with the loss to Notre Dame, Carolina is still in the tournament based on the, the what I saw from a tweet earlier today yes. from Lenardi. He has Carolina still solidly in the tournament, not even in the last four last four buys or whatever. Michigan's the last team in the field right now. No, I, I, no one was expecting that Michigan was going to be that bad in the preseason. That was a preseason top five team. Mm. So... For them to drop off like that is going to be tough. And the other thing about the ACC, the good news, is that there really aren't going to be a lot of those quad three, quad four games on your resume. Because what I feel like is going to happen, a lot of these games that Carolina is going to play, you're going to see these teams kind of bounce back and forth between quad two and quad three. So even if it is a quad three game, it's still going to be a high-end quad three game, but you're right. That's where Carolina's kind of got to do their damage. The The unfortunate thing is, is there's no guarantees in this conference. Even though there are a lot of teams that are not as good as we expected, there's really only one team that's bad. That's Boston College. Yep. You already beat them. You play them again, that helps. But outside of that, anybody can beat you any given night, pretty much. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back, dive into Carolina's next opponent as Virginia makes the trip to Chapel Hill as Carolina has their ACC home opener of the of the 2021-22 season this upcoming Saturday in Chapel Hill. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network. 
this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLING. We hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. As for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things, the Wahoos come in. They've figured some things out as of late. They come in with a 9-5 and record overall. As I mentioned, they are 3-1 and in the ACC. And this was a team that got off to a rocky start. They lost their season opener to Navy. They went to Houston early on in the season and lost by 20. They had a lot of things to figure out. And Tony Bennett's proven once again that he's a quality coach in this league and, and in the country. And they're they're doing it the Virginia style. It's not pretty on offense. They're gritty on defense. Jaden Gardner is is becoming the focal point of this team. The senior is averaging over 15 points per game, over seven rebounds. Armand Franklin is the only other guy on the roster that averages double-figure scoring at 12 points per game. Kihi Clark, that guy's been around for a minute or two. He's third on the team and scoring right at roughly 10 points per game, but this isn't an offensive juggernaut by any means. They just average 63.6 points per game. That's 320th in the country. And just some offensive numbers for you guys. They attempt, or they make 23 shots a game. That's 318th. They only attempt 51 per game. That is 355th. If you remember, there's 358 teams that compete, that, that compete in Division One college basketball. So they're not they're not going to impress you with their offense, but they do defend to the, the the standard that you would expect them to. They only allow 58 points per game. That's 10th best in the country. They only allow 21 made field goals. That's 17th best. Um, they only allow teams to shoot. You know. Uh, 13 two-pointers per game or May two-point two-pointers per game. That's that's 14th best in the country. So as bad as they've been on offense, they're still not letting it affect their defense. And man, wouldn't that be something to have that type of that type of team where on our bad nights on scoring the ball, we could still count on our defense. But uh, the biggest thing that really comes down to is this: Virginia's beat Carolina seven straight times. Oh. Last time Carolina beat Virginia was February 18th, 2017, a 65 to 41 win in the Smith Center. Of course, that team would go on and win the national championship and the biggest disparity, you know, the biggest thing that always got brought up in this matchup was the disparity in styles. Carolina traditionally they want to run and gun. Virginia make it a half-court game and they've done a really good job of making Carolina play to their their style, and it's it's been beneficial to the Wahoos, who of course have won the last seven straights. So we'll get to our keys to the game. Look, I don't know if you got mad at me, <clears throat> but when I was talking about Caleb Love in the in the Notre Dame recap, and I you know you well you want to throw him off the team, or I don't want to throw him off the team. You want to make me eat my words for what I said about you after the other night. I don't ever want to question your energy, your effort, your toughness again. And that's but that's for the whole team cuz we've questioned it 3 times in 14 games. 
I don't want to have to do that the rest of the year. This game is at home. You're 7-0 at home. And I hope the fan base understands there may not be a ranked number beside our name or beside Virginia's game or Virginia's name. This is a big game. We need a big game atmosphere in the Smith Center. Yep. And we need to feed off of that energy. And we need to play for 40 minutes. And we got to out-tough them because Virginia's going to play tough. They're not going to finesse you. They're going to want to beat you up. Their guards are physical. Their bigs are physical. We don't only have to match all of that. We've got to exceed it. I mean, what more motivation could you need for this game? I mean, you haven't beaten this team in seven tries. It's it's almost been five years since you beat this team. So there, there should be no question that there should be motivation for this game. And that's not only talking about the players and the coaches. That's the fan base. Yeah, this is, this is a big game. Don't get it wrong. Virginia's not having the type of season that probably many of us expected. That's still a team that could finish second in the ACC. That's still a team that could make a push because, yeah, their defensive numbers earlier in the year not good, Bob, were worse than they'd been in a long time. So this team has really turned it up mm-hmm. over these last couple of games. So, look, they're going to be coming in hungry to prove that, hey, look, we, we may be off of the national – stage right now we're going to be back on it pretty quickly if we keep playing the way that we're playing and this is going to be one of those games where yeah there's a there's a good there's a good chance that if he's not careful Hubert Davis could be out coached in this game well now Tony was, Bennett's a heck of a coach on that other sideline that was going to be kind of part of my second key which you know when we got ready for Notre Dame I said this is going to be a great great challenge for Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. He got out coached. Nothing wrong with that. Mike Bray out coached Roy Williams a time or two. It's going to happen. How do you respond? And Virginia's they're not going to they're not going to change a lot of things throughout the game because their system and their style for the last 8 to 10 years has proven to be successful and they've beaten you seven straight times so they're going to believe in what they do against you. But so the second key is value the basketball mm-hmm. on the flip side of that or with that, controlling the tempo. Carolina committed 14 turnovers against Notre Dame in a 70-possession game. I told you that feels more like 18. I don't know if Car- Car- if Carolina can get this game to 70 possessions. I think I think they might win. might be a miracle. Yeah, you've, you've got to get the game to 70 possessions. But you can only do that if you value the basketball you you've got to value each and every possession because they're going to be limited because you've got a 30 second shot clock mm-hmm. virginia runs their offense inside 10 seconds that's when they get into their action the first 20 seconds is setting up that action so they're going to milk the clock to that point, so it's going to shorten the game. It's going to quicken the game. You can't have the silly mistakes. You can't take. You can't take bad shots. You can't make bad passes. Right. And when you have a chance to run and get the ball up the court as quickly as possible, so you don't have to face against their set defense, that's got to happen. I don't understand why we walk back to get the ball anymore. When the ball gets rebounded, everybody should be running up the court. Up the court. That outlet pass, you should be getting the ball and crossing the half court. And then you're into your offense right there. We're we're, we're wasting seven to eight seconds going back to get the ball. 
You can't do that against Virginia. And so I think that's going to be – that's a, that's the thing that we haven't harped on as much because how efficient this offense has been, that they've wasted seven to eight seconds most times because they go back to get the ball. You can't do that because if you can get eight to 12 points in the fast break, that's going to make a load of difference in, in winning and losing this ball game. Well, the other thing is they're not going to turn the ball over that often. They're a team that takes care of the basket. And we don't force turnovers to begin with. Right. So – but yeah, when you have those opportunities, you got to run. I've talked about all season that I don't mind. And I get, see, there's a difference in what you're saying and basically saying, hey, we're, you know, we want to play half court offense or whatever. You, you're, you're saying, look, we need to get it across the timeline. If it's there and we can get an easy bucket quick, then great. You don't need to four look if you're if you're outnumbered, you get across half court and they've got five guys back and you've got three guys running up the floor. Clearly you're not gonna say, Well, let me take it to the basket and run into a double team and turn it over. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, look, at least have the option when you get across half court to see if there's something quick there. Instead of circling back and basically just playing it straight up and waiting until late in the shot clock to take a shot. Basically, you, you, we've seen it at times this year. They're playing the way Virginia plays. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in this game. You need, and maybe this is taking your final key away, you got to control the tempo in this game. Plain and oh, simple. Yeah. You've got to play at your pace. This is, this is one game where, look, if you want to run like you did early in the season— Crank it all the way up. Run this team out of the gym because these losers, they, they, they ain't keeping up with you. These dudes do not have the speed to keep up with you on the court. It's that simple. They are a team that the past seven times, they've controlled the tempo against you. They've slowed it down. And, you know, primarily the last two years, you've turned the ball over a ton. Mm. And you haven't even really given yourself a chance. In this game... Value the basketball, but also you need to you you need to be aggressive, and you need to run. Because if if you do that, Virginia ain't gonna be able to keep up with you. Yeah, the last key. Uh, Virginia only has three players on their roster six ten or taller. Armando Baycott's averaging a double double. He's coming off a twenty one point seventeen rebound performance in that loss at Notre Dame. I don't know as of right now of recording if you have Dawson Garcia or not. Even if he's on the court. If he's not on the court, play inside out. Get into get in, get into their bench. Get into where they don't have the size that they can compete with you. And then, therefore, if, if you're forced to play at the tempo they want to play at, we just dump the ball inside because, like Notre Dame, they can't guard you there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be another thing where, look, Carolina – can shoot the three ball very well. They're the 12th best shooting team in the country. But when have they shot the best? It's usually because the ball goes inside first, the defense collapses, they're not taking bad shots, they're getting open looks from behind the three-point line. Get back to that, play that, play through your best player. That's Armando Baycott. And if you do that, and if you compete with energy, effort, and toughness, and you value the ball, you're better than they are. You're deeper than they are. You should win the game. And I think they're going to win the game. The ESPN Basketball Power Index, believe it or not, gives Carolina a 73.7% chance to win on Saturday. I, yeah, I guess. 
you got to believe that that is because Carolina has undefeated at home. And I think that's why if this game was in Virginia, I'd pick I'd pick Virginia. Carolina at home this year has been different mm-hmm. on both ends of the court and there's no way after Wednesday night they don't they don't know what's at stake. They they better know how big Saturday is cuz if if they don't it could get ugly really quickly. I think this team has responded most times after they've had some bad performances, albeit we've had way too many of this early on in the season. I think Carolina responds. They get a big win heading into right now what is scheduled to be a week off for the team after Saturday. Yeah, like you said, this is the first home game that they play in conference. They've played three straight road games to begin the conference season. Now, that wasn't supposed to happen. Originally, you were supposed to play Virginia Tech at home. But look, this is the situation that you're in. So this is an opportunity in front of your home crowd for the first time in conference season. You expect, just based on some of the crowds that we saw towards the end of the at a conference season because of the times of the year that, you know, the the, the crowd is going to be pretty hyped up for this one because, yeah, this is the biggest game that they've played since Michigan. And honestly, this one's bigger than Michigan, I think, at this point oh, of the yeah, season. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, you know, you, you need to come out motivated against a team that's beaten you seven straight times. And I know some of these guys haven't been around for that long to be a part of that streak, but... Hey, some of these veteran guys, yeah, you got to get tired of getting beat by this team. Um, I'm with you. Put the ball inside. Let Armando Baycock go to work. They don't have the size inside that they need to be able to compete with you. Even in years past, they had that Jack Salt, that Jay Huff. They don't have that guy this year. So this is a chance for Armando Baycott to go to work and make them prove that they can stop it. Because I think you're right. In the game against Notre Dame, you said in the recap, they went away from it, and you wonder, should they have kept sticking with that? But it felt like they were chasing points. The one weakness of this Virginia team is is their three-point defense. But you need to get to your three-point offense through Armando Baycott. Don't force those outside shots, because as we saw the other night, when you try to force those, they can get you out of rhythm. So Carolina's got to rely on their big man inside. I'm with you. It's going to be a nail-biter, and I think a lot of these games coming up are going to be like that. But I think Carolina gets the win over Virginia, their first win since 2017 against this team, and it'll be a big one because uh, I like, like you said, how they respond after losses. I think they'll do that. There you go, guys. Both Anthony and myself predicting Carolina wins on Saturday. You can catch that game 1 o'clock over on ESPN. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. But before we let you go, I want to get you to the website, HealToughBlog.com. I'll have you covered leading up to the Virginia game and, of course, following that Virginia game as well as I continue to take you through the 2021-22 basketball season. As for the football side of things, a lot of major news coming out for Carolina football players going into the NFL draft. Guys entering the transfer portal and maybe, just maybe, a coaching change or two on the horizon for Mac Brown's staff. Get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for all that great football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Pod, you name it. The Four Corners and the Heel Tough Blog podcast are there. Like both, review both, and make sure you go ahead and subscribe to both of them. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. 
The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.